coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are... Mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well... <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like... Mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is hour number three of the John and Leah show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And Leah, before we get to a couple other News items uh, in this uh, final hour of the program. I, I just want to revisit real quickly the James O'Keefe thing. Not the substance of it, which, by the way, I think is relevant. I'm glad it's out there and people ought to evaluate it. And it's it's great that uh, basically two firings have occurred because of it. And maybe that'll make people think twice about playing dirty pool in the future. And I'm all, all on board on all of that. As far as O'Keefe, though, and, you know, I've met James O'Keefe. Uh, I've communicated with him a little bit. I don't know him well. We have similar personalities in some ways. We've been involved in similar situations. We clearly are willing to go above and beyond in certain circumstances, sometimes even maybe bend the law in order to get what we need to get done. So in that way, uh, we're somewhat kindred spirits, and I somewhat respect what he does because he absolutely has big balls. There's no question about that. But let me use what happened this week as an example of why I have a problem with James O'Keefe. I have two basic problems. One is that I do believe he takes things out of context and has a history of doing that and creating misimpressions of what has actually happened and that, therefore, it is legitimate for the news media to be at least hesitant in jumping on whatever he's doing because they don't want to get caught in another situation where, wait a minute, this isn't quite what it appears to be because he's done that in the past. So he, he deserves a little bit of skepticism because of that. That's his own fault. But more importantly, you, did you want to respond to that? I think that I think that that what you're talking about revolves around a baby picture. That it was just not the baby that they were talking about. And so... No, no, no. This has happened on numerous stories. I mean, for instance, going all the way back to the acorn thing, James O'Keefe created the impression that he had gone into the acorn as the pimp uh, with, right. that, with that humongous, ridiculous, multicolored hat, I mean, right. this absurd costume. 
I talked to the prostitute. He had never done that. He, <laughs> he he created the impression that that's the person or that's what he looked like when he went in there, but that was not what he looked like. And that's an important that's important for context. And he has done this numerous times. But let me get more to a more concrete issue, and because I take issue with this because of my own experience. To whom did James O'Keefe give this particular story, Leah? I don't know. Right. You don't know because he released it himself. And he released it himself because that's the best way to maximize benefit for his organization. In order for him to get all the traffic, to get all the contributions, to get to have total control over the dissemination of information. And there's something to be said about that. Except if your goal is to impact an election. Is your goal, James Keith, to impact an election? Or is it to help your organization and your own profile within the conservative movement? And I know, and my street cred on this, Leah, is as good as it gets. Because in the circumstances I've had where I could impact events or do something that was good for me, for instance, the post-election 2008 interview I did with Sarah Palin, or for instance, the prison interview that will never ever be duplicated with Jerry Sandusky, what did I do? I didn't release those things on my own. I and I didn't go to Fox News Channel in the case of Sarah Palin. I would yeah, have I, I would have made a lot more money. Trust me. Believe me as as Donald Trump would say. Uh, you know, Believe me. I would have made a lot more money if I had taken the Sarah Palin interview and gone to Fox News Channel and say, "I'm giving this to you exclusively." But I didn't do that. Because my goal here was not just about John Ziegler making money. I wanted the movie to at least break even, Media Malpractice, the film that I made about the 2008 election. But I went to The View and to the Today Show because that's where the action is with regard to the mainstream, not just preaching to the choir. That's where you actually have a shot at maybe impacting people's perspectives. And that's that's where you go if you want a story to be taken seriously by everybody that's not in the echo chamber of the conservative media. And what I'm saying here, taking this out of the theoretical into the practical is, if James O'Keefe really was about trying to impact an election, then he would not have done this the way that he did. He would have gone to Good Morning America or the Today Show or or some show like that, Dateline, whatever it was, and said, you verify this. You take ownership of this. And so when it comes out, it has your brand of approval on it. And therefore, there's no James O'Keefe stench on it. So that everybody else in the news media will immediately take it seriously. and that, But see, what instead happens, which I, I think is hilarious, O'Keefe releases this, and it doesn't get totally ignored by the mainstream, but the mainstream doesn't fully embrace it the way that we certainly would have liked on the right. And certainly if, for instance, a left-winger uh, of a similar variety of James O'Keefe had, the news media would have no problem jumping all over it because it would fit their agenda. But living in the real world, if O'Keefe knows this, he's not dumb. He's very smart. He made a decision to go to the Drudge, Breitbart, Alex Jones, uh, that world, Fox News Channel, and maximize it for him and for Project Veritas instead of doing something that could have had a much 
larger reach into the mainstream and automatically be perceived as credible because it had a mainstream news organization stamp of approval on it when it was released. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, but, I mean, he, we don't, didn't try. Uh, he would have told us. He would have, he would have told us if that was the case. Hey, I went to uh, NBC, I went to ABC, CBS, 60 Minutes, no one cared. There's been no, no indication of that at all. And by the way, I would believe that if that happened. But yeah, there's been me too. There's, or it would be buried. I wouldn't give it to anybody else. That's just me. Well, I wouldn't give it to someone else, look, especially because I am James O'Keefe. Those people think I'm a shyster. Even when they picked up the story, it, it half the story is about how don't take him seriously. I understand that. And trust me, no one gets that it's a double-edged right. sword better than I do. I I understand it. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not saying this makes James O'Keefe a bad person. Or, or my, my main point here is, you don't get to claim the media is ignoring me if you didn't go to them. And and because the reality is, they're going to be inherently suspicious of this, partially because of your background and your history, and partially because you didn't let anybody take ownership of this. Right. Oh uh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like for instance. I, you know, and we're going to probably talk a little bit about this later on in the hour. I have these these tapes of uh, in the Penn State Sandusky Paterno case that have been surreptitiously recorded uh, of one of the top lawyers in the case, which in a rational world would blow them op- blow the whole thing wide open. It's all big fraud. I will never release those on my own because it won't do crap. I will have to, t- if it ever gets to the ch- the situation where the weather is in my favor enough, I will have to go to a mainstream news organization and they I will, I will have to allow them to take at least partial ownership of those tapes for them to be taken seriously. Those are the rules of the game. Is it fair? No. Is it biased against conservatives? Absolutely. Yes. But that's the way the game is, okay? So you don't get to have it both ways, James. If you don't go to them, you don't get to then claim, well, wait a minute, why aren't they reporting this? It's, I'm sorry. Those are the rules. So anyway, um, when we come back, uh, I did want to mention real quick about uh, Billy Bush getting fired and a couple of things. We got, a, we got a bunch of stuff to get to, so hang in there. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Last note on the uh, race for the White House 2016 for uh, this week, and then we'll move on to other topics in the next segment of the program. We had briefly mentioned last week, Leah, that it looked like Billy Bush was going to get uh, fired from NBC and the Today Show, which we referenced in the, uh, the last segment a couple times, because of his role in the now infamous 2005 uh, video-slash-audio tape of Donald Trump bragging about grabbing women by their vaginas and a bunch of other things. Ugh, um, I hate that word. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's not even the right word. I mean, we're not allowed to say the correct word that was used by Trump. I hate all references. Okay, well, fair <laughs> enough. But anyway... Uh, and, and this week it became official that Billy Bush got fired. And I just found this to be stunning. It's, it's, it's actually stunningly not stunning that first of all, it cannot be repeated enough that apparently 
the standards for the third hour of the Today Show are higher than the Republican Party has for its presidential nominee because by any measure, what Trump did and said on that tape is worse than what Billy Bush did. I'm not saying Billy Bush comes off looking good at all. He looks like a creep and he it's it, it it's inappropriate, it's unprofessional. But but I guess the part that bothers me most, and I want to belabor it, but it's worth mentioning, is that Billy Bush's job, as most of these media whores' job is or are, is to kiss celebrity ass. That's, Bingo. That's what their job is. Yes. And by the way, he should have gotten a raise, not uh, fired. Exactly. I wrote a column this week, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, entitled Billy Bush Got Fired for Doing His Job Too Well. Yeah. Uh, he was fantastic at kissing celebrity ass. And yep. and and by the way, it, they, they, the job description is to kiss celebrity ass for two reasons. Number one, to maintain access to that celebrity. As a matter of fact, Correct. at the time, back. As, as, a, as, as a matter of fact, the name of the show was Access Hollywood. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so the point here is get and maintain access with celebrities. And and the second element of the job is get those celebrities to say interesting or salacious things that they wouldn't ordinarily say. And Bush was obviously really good at that as well. So yeah. so and and then there's the other element of the whole thing which is how the tape came out which is Really, it's amazing to me that this hasn't gotten more play, even though I guess it shouldn't be surprising because it deals with the issue of liberal media bias or at least pro-democratic party. I don't even want to say liberal anymore because we don't have a conservative in this race, but pro-democratic party uh, media bias where by all accounts, and this has not been uh, negated by anybody to my knowledge, that NBC was planning the release of that tape for quite a while. Billy Bush had bragged about the tape at the Olympic Games. And that they they were going to release it, and then they decided, you know what, the hurricane is going to be too big of a story. Let's wait. And then the Washington Post scooped them with a different version of the tape that made Bush look worse than the one that NBC was going to release. And so because of the hurricane, NBC doesn't get to be able to push it out there first, and Billy Bush ends up getting screwed in the whole deal, uh, which is just amazing. I mean, this is all about... The, the effort by a major media uh, organization and, and corporation, NBC, targeting... To take down a presidential candidate. Right, and no one even is talking about it. It's not even an issue, even when Billy Bush ends up getting fired. And then, of course, you know, in only the surreal nature of the 2006 campaign, 16 campaign... Dan Rather. Dan Rather. <laughs> no, but the, the most amazing part about the Billy Bush thing, which also hasn't gotten as much play, of course, is he's a member of the... George Bush family. I mean, he's a, yeah. I mean, I, so this is, you know, the, obviously the family that not only was the last Republican president, but, but Jeb Bush was one of the major competitors that Donald Trump took out during the primaries. And by the way, how come no one's mentioned this? How did Billy Bush not mentioned uncle Jeb that this might be out there? Correct. I, how did that not happen? You know, it did. You think so? Oh, sure. I, now there are people who think that this would not have hurt him in a Republican primary. I don't know. You know, it, look, anything's possible at this point. I, I it, it definitely would have not helped, <laughs> especially if it was if it was dropped very early on. But um, the idea that Billy Bush ends up getting fired is is bizarre 
to me. And by the way, Billy Bush's brother had maybe the best take on the whole election. He said, we got a nut on the left, a nut on the right. Let's take the Johnson in the middle. That's what he said. <laughs> That's what Billy Bush's brother said. He's going to oh vote for Gary Johnson. Oh, my God. But before the, for, the, for the record, um, I believe that the race is effectively over. Uh, I'm sticking with my 98% Hillary wins, even though there are some polls out there that indicate that's not the case. Go check out at freespeechbroadcasting.com a column that I wrote uh, that is entitled, No, Seriously, Trump Lost, and Here's How We Know. Uh, So if you're interested in why it is that I'm still very confident that despite several national polls showing this is a very tight race, that effectively Donald Trump has spent himself. He, He has no other cards to play. All the cards are now with Hillary, and the media has a stranglehold over the narrative, and so it will take a miracle for Trump to win at this point. When we come back, other news stories of note this week that I want to get into on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, as I've mentioned many, many times in this program, um, for the last almost five years, I have been embroiled in the so-called Penn State Joe Paterno Jerry Sandusky scandal, which is now almost uh, reaching. It's only a couple weeks away from its fifth anniversary. And there was a major development this week, and I realize at this point very few people actually care about the story in of itself, but here's why you should care. There's never been a story that has been a worse illustration of just how broken our news media is and how powerful a, a narrative can be false it is if it's a narrative that the media likes and the public embraces and... The other side doesn't have the ability to fight back immediately to combat it. And it's interesting that this week there was a trial, a civil trial, involving the main witness, at least from the Penn State perspective, in this The red-haired dude. Right. Mike McQueary is his name. He was the guy who supposedly, we were told, we were told unequivocally. Oh, yes. Because ESPN told us it was so. We were told five, almost five years ago that... Mike McQuarrie, as a graduate assistant at Penn State University, had witnessed Jerry Sandusky anally raping. Yes. Anally raping a young boy in a Penn State shower back in what we were told at the time was 2002. And that Penn State effectively did nothing about this. Right. And that we, 10 years, almost 10 years later, because of this three-year-long grand jury investigation, which uh, McQuarrie was was found out about actually about two years into the grand jury investigation. And he was questioned in front of the grand jury and McQuarrie had supposedly told the grand jury that this is what happened. And then the grand jury presentment was leaked very suspiciously and probably illegally in November of 2011. And all hell broke loose. And Joe Paterno (laughs) after 61 years at Penn state had was fired over a cell phone uh, on a Wednesday night before it was supposed to be his final home game at Penn State after he had just become the 
all-time winningest coach in the history of college football. That was a hell of a story, right? I mean, that is that is one hell of a story. That's right. Well, this week, that guy, Mike McQuarrie, went to a civil trial against Penn State to try to show that he was discriminated against because he was supposed whistleblower in the case. And as part of this whistleblower lawsuit, several interesting things happened that would have been really good information to have back in November of 2011. Like, for instance, oh, I don't know, let's start with the fact that his own dad testified that when Mike talked to him about the episode he saw that night, that he didn't think it was worthy of being reported to police. Uh Uh-oh. Or that, or that... Or that a Dr. Dranoff, his dad's buddy, who we brought over to talk to Mike that night of the episode, who was a mandated reporter for child sex abuse as a doctor, also said there was no reason to go to the police based upon what Mike told him that night. And he had actually asked Mike three times that night, did you see a sex act? And Mike had told him no. Or that the Penn State legal counsel a guy by the name of Courtney testified for the first time in open court that when that weekend, the weekend of McQuarrie's reporting to Paterno, he was researching whether or not horseplay, which is what he had been told by those who had spoken to McQuarrie, whether horseplay in a shower was a reportable event to Child Protective Services. That was his testimony this week. Or that the president of Penn State University, the president, the guy who was exceedingly esteemed, uh, by the way, a child abuse victim himself, a guy by the name of Graham Spanier, who I've gotten to know exceedingly well over the last five years, and he's probably my favorite person in this whole fiasco, he testified that, yes, uh, he was told about this uh, event back in 2000, actually 2001, they got the date wrong, which is part of the absurdity of this whole thing, that... Joe Paterno died not even realizing what the actual year was of the event that destroyed his entire career and life because McQuarrie got it wrong because McQuarrie didn't see a rape. He saw horseplay, which is what everyone says he saw, which is far more consistent with the fact that he completely forgot the date, the month, and the year in which this alleged massive event occurred. But Spanier also testified, yeah, I was told about this being horseplay. Uh, yeah. th- so, so now we have a situation where in, in his own trial, we have everybody who has spoken to this guy, Mike McQuarrie, and everybody who spoke to the people who spoke to Mike McQuarrie, all saying that this was not a situation where they where there was a witness to a rape of a child. That okay, was- wait a minute. So are you saying that the grand jury testimony that was leaked was wrong like they're the ones that well that's what that is that gets me to the next thank you for that leah because that gets me to the next amazing thing that the news media has completely ignored from this trial there was an email that came into evidence this week at the civil trial in which McQuarrie, after the crap hits the fan writes to the attorney general's office that released illegally the grand jury presentment saying quote I feel like my words are being twisted. Ah. This is McQuarrie and an email. This is this is like a bombshell. When Okay. You would say more though than words being twisted. You would say, stop lying about what no, I said. No, but hold on a second. See there's rape a rape and horseplay. That's well, a big difference. There's a huge difference, but let me get to that 
explanation for what really happened in a second. So you might be saying, and I'm sure the media is pretending in their minds because they don't, well, they don't, they have very small minds. So there's not a lot of room in there, but all of this should be bombshell because if we had known, if we had known half of what I just told you in November of 2011, none of this happens. I mean, because everyone would be going, okay, wait a minute, hold on. Let's, let's find out what the hell the story is because none of this making, is making any sense at all. But we never waited for that because we knew there was a rape of a boy and everyone's head explodes. Yes. So, so anyway, you might be saying, as the media is pretending, well, maybe, maybe everyone's saying horseplay now because this is all part of a massive cover-up and that Mike McQueary is the only person who is telling the truth. Okay. I, I'll buy I'll buy into that theory. Let me let me see if the, there's no evidence to that at all. When there should be O.J. Simpson like evidence at this point. But here's the real reason why we know that's not the case, because if it was true, Mike McQueary would have a hundred million dollar lawsuit against Penn State because his allegation would be I witnessed the rape of a child, yes. and I was no forced. No I, I was for, no worse than that. I was forced by a a state run university to keep my mouth shut because everyone wanted to protect football. As if how the hell football would have been protected because Jerry Sandusky was retired at that point. But that's another year, another story for another day. The point here is that if that was the allegation, McQuery would have. With the wind of the media blowing a hurricane at his back, he would have a hundred million dollar lawsuit. He's yeah. not alleging that. He's not alleging that Penn State forced him to be part of a cover up, which he would have to be part. He would not forget about part. He would be the centerpiece of a cover up because he's the only witness. He's the he's the whole case. Okay, and, and not only is he the whole case, not only is he not alleging that he uh, was not part of a cover-up, which would be the only explanation for why it is that every other person, including his own father, says that it was horseplay and not a rape, but he, at the time, which we didn't know because the date got screwed up, the real reason this whole thing happened was because there was an open job at Penn State. And the coaching staff. He was there was a wide receivers coaching position. McQuarrie was a as a lowly graduate assistant. McQuarrie would end up getting that very same job three seasons later. If he he never moved from the graduate assistant position, if had there been a cover up, Leah, the first thing that would have happened is that when he went to the athletic director and he told him about what he saw, the athletic director, if Paterno hadn't already done this himself, would have said, you know, Mike, that's really good information to have. And by the way, you've been doing such a great job as a graduate assistant making no money. We're going to make you the new uh, wide receivers coach. Uh, congratulations. Right. That never happened. Nothing like that happened. So they let the only witness in this enormous, nonsensical, absurd cover-up of child sex abuse remain a graduate assistant when he could have blabbed anybody and blown the whole thing open. Here's what really happened. He didn't see a rape. There was no rape. He saw horseplay. But 10 years later, he was convinced by investigators who came to him and said, hey, Mike, we're investigating Jerry Sandusky for child sex abuse. We understand you may have seen him in a shower with a boy. 
Can you okay. tell us about that? That all that that almost happened to me. Really? Uh, yes, because at our old radio station where we worked, there was a part-time guy who would fill in for you. Okay. Well, the next thing I know, the FBI is coming around and asking me all these questions about him. But they're not asking me. They're basically leading me to believe oh, wow. that, he, that he is a pedophile, that there was an incident ding, on ding, a ding. ship. Yep, yep, that... yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. I know who, okay. You're, talk- I know who you're talking about. Yes, I... yes. And what happened to him? Well, I don't believe he ended up getting convicted. He might have. I, I can't he remember. He was cleared. He was cleared. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was convicted. I've actually asked him, in light of this whole Sandusky thing, if he if I could talk to him. Uh, and while he's still friendly with me on Facebook, he said he didn't want to talk about it. I don't so, blame him. Um, but but it's interesting that you had that experience because that's what happened to Mike McQuarrie. Yeah. It, it, because think oh, about. Oh, they make you feel like. I mean. I'd gone outside smoking cigarettes with this guy every night, every time he was there. Okay. Never was there anything weird. Okay. But, 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 but if, let's pretend for a second, Leah, that one of those times you went out for a cigarette, something a little weird had happened with a boy, right? And, yeah. and then, so then you're getting manipulated by the investigator. You might, in retrospect, think that that was a much bigger deal than it really was because you're trusting them that there's something bad about this guy and you want to help them. No, right? it's worse than that. Okay. They had me convinced that he wasn't interested in me because he liked little boys. Wow. Well, this is the way they work. And by the way, how well, is like, wait, wait a minute. Wow. You never told yeah. I'm so glad you told me this. This is new information and, and interesting on so many different levels. But yeah. by the way, there's another aspect to why I, this is not just my theory. Okay. Even though this theory makes a hell of a lot more sense than the, the, the alternative theory is back crap crazy. All right. That <laughs> first, no reason whatsoever, a state university run by people with amazing reputations decided to cover up child sex abuse of the worst. So kind. ridiculous. So ridiculous. So it's absurd on its face, but, but, Here's how I know that it's true. One, McQuarrie's own testimony proves it. McQuarrie is actually asked a month after the whole crap hits the fan at a preliminary hearing because he says, you know, I started to tell people that Jerry shouldn't be around the program, shouldn't be around the lockers, meaning Sandusky. And on cross-examination, he's asked, did you start saying that before or after investigators came to you and told them, told you about this investigation of Jerry into child sex abuse. Right. And McQuarrie says, of course, yeah, it was after, mm-hmm. which of course means that they had convinced him that yes. this was the case. But here's the, here's the coup de gras. I have the statement, which I waved on the today show in front of Matt Lauer, even though the today show prevented me from using this guy's name. His name is Alan Myers because it's now in public record everywhere. Alan Myers, on the day Paterno was fired, came forward and said, I'm the guy that was there. I'm the kid. And nothing happened. McQuarrie is full of crap. He's lying. And the story is as as solid as could be under the circumstances. And the history between Sandusky and his kid afterwards is completely 1,000% inconsistent with any kind of sex abuse of any sort. Forget about anal rape in a shower. And guess what? We learned this week that on November 4th, 
for the first time ever, because he didn't testify at Sandusky's trial, because the defense was afraid of what he might say because he got a lawyer that was really nefarious, and the prosecution didn't want to put him on the stand because he had given a statement saying nothing ever happened. For the very first time, Alan Myers is scheduled to testify in open court on November 4th, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's going to be. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be real. Are you making a trip? Well, um, if I can, <laughs> if, if it is confirmed that Alan Myers will actually testify and his lawyer is not going to try some shady business to get him out of it, even though he's been subpoenaed, I will be there. And <laughs> and all hell bro- will break loose if I have anything to do with it. So, um, so stay tuned on that Good. one. Right, when we come back, uh, some closing thoughts on this edition of the uh, John and Leah Show. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Thanks to um, some new um, renovations to our podcasting process, you can actually check out the podcast for this entire program not long after this show ends. So make sure you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com. And check those out if you get a chance, if you've missed any of tonight's program. In our last couple of moments, I just wanted to mention that um, since I used to be such a huge fan of Tiger Woods, and we often mention whenever there's a development involving Tiger Woods, that he did probably the most extensive and maybe the most revealing interview that he's ever done in his entire career this week with PBS and Charlie Rose. If you get a chance, if you're interested in Tiger Woods, while no interview is ever going to be perfect to me because I'm a, I'm a very tough media critic and because I know so much about Tiger Woods, I can always see, well, gee, I wish you would have asked this or right. something like that. This was as good as it's going to get. Charlie Rose did an outstanding job, and this was a different type of Tiger Woods than I've ever seen before. I don't know whether or not he is, at least at some point, psychologically, he is transitioning into a completely different phase of his life. The old intimidating tiger is completely gone, for better or for worse. And the... I do have a clip. Okay. Well, I do. Th- is this the clip that we were referencing? Correct. Okay. So the, the one that got the most news uh, out of all of this hour long interview with Charlie Rose was the question of what regrets Tiger Woods has in his life. And, you know, obviously anybody who knows anything about Tiger Woods might be thinking, well, gee, uh, there's about. Uh, <laughs> About 30 or 40 regrets that we are aware of in uh, November of 2009 that you might want to mention. No, they're not on the list. Here's what Tiger said about that. To look back, the only regret I have in life is not spending another year at Stanford. And I wish I would have had one more year. That's the only regret. That's the only regret I wish I had. Of all the things that's happened to you. All the things. That's all. Everything. All the things I've learned. That's been. All the things I've been through are tough. Yes, they've been tough. But they've been great for me. But I wish I would have gone one more year at Stanford. Oh, now, wow. you know, uh, okay. Wow. It, he a, actually calls uh, the thirty or forty chicks that you were referencing mistakes. 
Yeah, or, or I love the fact that Charlie Rose referenced what happened to him. Yeah, I, I would love at some point in my life for those women to have just happened to me. It's just amazing how my <laughs> penis just happened to end up in their vaginas. It's just remarkable how that worked. Uh, you know, I'm going to... I think there's a charitable way to interpret that, that he's trying to say, I've learned so much from those experiences that I'm actually a better person now, but it comes off to the, to the ear as just what? I mean, it's, yes. it's almost like, uh, it's oh, all about me, 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 me. Well, <laughs> it's almost like if OJ Simpson said, you know, if, if I had one thing to take back, it would be, I should never have signed with the San Francisco 49ers That's at right. the end of my career. That was a mistake. That's right. uh, it's very, it's, it's lacking empathy. It's lacking knowing what people want to hear. It's lacking actually a good perspective on your life because you don't want to be at his age, someone who has just devastated people, his fans, his sponsors, his family. I mean, why in the world? Gosh, Tiger. Well, you know, as, as someone who was almost literally his biggest fan and having a world renowned website devoted to him. I, I can, I agree with you that I, I was a little bit offended by that because, yeah. because it hurt me. Not that I'm yes. the most important part of this whole thing at all, but you know, I'm and millions of others. It hurt me a lot. I mean, yeah. it, I lost a bit of my, what was left in my soul because <laughs> of you what happened faith. with Tiger. I had faith in Tiger and I didn't think he was perfect, but I, I was stunned by what we found out, and I was even more pissed off by the way that he handled it. And I do believe that his game, while there's a lot of reasons why his game left him, that that is absolutely, despite what he claims in this interview. He, oh, no, that's the reason why. Well, I, I think it's a, one of many significant reasons why. But it's a, it is a fascinating interview. I still haven't fully figured out what it means, but check it out if you get a chance. As always, Leah, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week. Freespeechbroadcasting.com for the podcast. Till next Sunday, I'm John Ziegler.